Are you totally different when it comes to sex and copulation? Have you judged yourself out of receiving pleasure? Have you judged yourself into receiving pleasure in certain ways and excluded other ways? Would you like to know more about what else is possible with bodies? Would you like to create confidence in the bedroom and beyond? How has your sex life or lack of it affected other areas of your life? Everyone has the potency to be a sexual superhero. Get ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, pleasure diva and body whisperer, Milica Yelenich. Well, hello, sweet pleasure seekers. Thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. I'm always so thrilled to have listeners now and in the future and so grateful for everybody that contributes to the show, whether they're coming on as guests or listeners or producers. And it's just awesome that the show uh, continues to choose to be created. And I'm, I just feel so grateful and lucky to be the one who gets to host it. So tonight we are going to have a very intriguing, interesting conversation. Um, there's something that I know I uh, talked about sex and art and pornography and I've talked about it in in terms of more like a a visual art and that was about a year or two ago I think and um, actually I think Keisha produced that show too (laughs) and Keisha's our producer tonight which is cool and Keisha did produce that show I'm pretty sure of it Um, it was a a wild ride I remember uh, doing that from a parking lot somewhere and she was pretty freaking awesome about (laughs) about helping me out with that so Tonight we're going to have another interesting kind of art form conversation to do with, uh, you know, all things sensual, sexual, and also in literature. So how fun is that? You know, probably, you know, looking back, like when when did it actually start that people started writing things like eroticism or things like love stories or anything like that? When you really look back in history, uh of print, it's pretty fascinating to see what was allowed to be said, what was considered erotic, what was con- and what is considered erotic around the world, compared to you know, comparing different countries. It's pretty interesting stuff to me. So, what did I choose to do? I chose to call up a friend of mine, who's both a friend and a phenomenal author, who has written many books, uh, including one that is called Tutti Fruity, A Trip for Two. And my friend's name is Dr. David Lozotsky. Um, I love his name because the C in his last name sounds like the C in my first name. And not a lot of people can actually say it, so it's very fun. (laughs) I get to say it once in a while, and I got to bring in it for this show, so I'm pretty happy about that. Hi, David. Um, I'm just going to let them a little bit about you. So David's an energy healer. I really like that when he gave me his bio, he gave me this really brief bio, which very... Um, it's very David. He's very concise about this is who I am. <laughs> David is an energy healer, researcher. He's the author of Tutti Fruity, A Trio for Two, and a bunch of other books. And you can get all of his books on Amazon, on the Amazons of the world. So I'm going to add to that because what I know David to be, is, uh, he's actually um, this kindness to bodies in the world that you don't see very often. And if men do have that kindness in the world, they don't usually share it or spread it like fire like he does. He's kind of a kindness and a gentleness that's uh, like a rare gem. So I want to add that in there too. And that's one of his his greatest gifts is that he he has this uh, softness and ability to see and be able to be the space for people to be willing to be vulnerable enough to let everything that, you know, they never wanted to look at, they didn't even know existed, to just come up and be changed. So he's got multiple talents and multiple energy. So when he says energy healer, it's not like he took one class. David's been studying energy work probably since the, like, last 500 lifetimes. So <laughs> it's a really funny, really funny brief <laughs> title, energy healer. That's it. <laughs> it's in here way more way more than that so welcome to this show david i'm so pleased to have you and dr david for this show and it's yeah, you, to either way you is here. fine yes thank you for inviting me yes awesome so we're going to be talking about your awesome book tutti frutti today 
And I'm going to let the listeners know a little bit about, so on the back cover, there's actually a, an editor's footnotes. And the editor's footnotes, the brief of this is that Tutti Frutti tackles how we connect with each other deeply and without judgment, how conflict can be resolved through openness, and how people may progress beyond society's rules that are no longer serving them in order to become both fully human and fully divine. Perhaps the most unique feature of the book is the inspiring honesty with which the characters speak to each other. And I say, after reading it, both I find it fun because, surprise, surprise, I happen to, somewhere near the end of the book, be one of the characters in the book, which is really exciting for me. <laughs> so that was fun. I'm like, wow, those are things I said word for word. Word for word. I'm being quoted. It was very exciting. And another part of, of this story is that for me, when I was reading it, it's like there is this desire that we have innately that we know that we have a capacity to love more than one person. You know, whether you're a parent who has five children, you can love each child uh, equally and differently, but equally. And in the same way, you could have five partners and love them equally, but differently. And so in this book, the main character, Blackberry, is the male character, and he has this like amazing ability to love multiple people. But it's kind of mind-boggling to people in his life that he's that he's uh, trying to include in his polyamorous lifestyle. It's kind of mind-boggling to uh, them how to actually be with that, kind of be with this vulnerability, be with this openness, and some of the characters get it, and sometimes they do for a minute, and then there's always all this emotional stuff that comes up. And I think for a lot of this, one of um, the greatest gifts to reading this book will give you such great insight into, if you ever thought, hey, I'd like to have multiple lovers, I would highly suggest reading this book first and it give you an insight um, as to whether that actually would work for you. So, so... Oh, David, hello? Hello, I'm here. Okay, I was cool. just entranced, entranced by what you were saying. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I was like, I had a moment in my house where all of uh, all the electricity went off, so I wasn't sure if I lost oh. I lost the internet, but I think I'm okay, so we're good. So, yeah, yeah I, I I'd like to hear you, it. Like, you would ever lose electricity. <laughs> Maybe I had so much that I blew it up a bit. <laughs> That's all right, too. <laughs> So, so, from your point of view, when you were writing Tutti Frutti, like what kind of stuff for you personally, like as you're kind of like going through the dialogue of characters, what were some things that that you were aware of, you know, from an author's point of view, looking at your characters, what did you, you know, like I would have some pretty big empathy for Blackberry and his giant desire to love the world. Well, his desire certainly reflects my own desire. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in the books certainly reflects my own experience. Um, one of one of the conceits about the book is that um, it was written by Bury, um, and there's a character named Blackberry, and you don't know whether it's autobiographical. So the so it's actually on two levels. So it's written by me about Blackberry, about Blackberry, and so you don't know how much is autobiographical. But um, mm-hmm. certainly. I have to tell you now, um, since you didn't ask, that it um, it does reflect my own experience, and um, I, I didn't really want to reveal that often. Very... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, let's read it and figure it out." <laughs> but they, I like they that. Can, no, they I can it out. yes, of course, of could, course. I mean, yeah. all, all authors are, are writing something about their own experience. Yes, so this is definitely about my experience of. Um, trying to love everybody and everything in the world, um, I would say. It's also very much uh, an exploration of bodily love with more than one person and how that works out. And then, as you quite rightly say, um, it seems very easy at the level of the body. Actually, it is very easy at the level of the body, but the emotions, when they come up, they just overwhelm everybody. And a lot of the plot is concerned with how the emotions do um, overwhelm the, the sense of body they love. And um, that has to be worked um, somewhat painfully for the characters. 
Um, and there is a kind of resolution end, which I won't tell you about, in the hopes that you will actually go out and buy this book. Um, available on all the Amazons in the world. <laughs> yeah. But, I really uh, like the ending. But, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. We'll just keep it at so that. that. It was very yeah, so, 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 so there are two explorations, so, right? So, so, so what is love in general? How can you love everybody? And I take love to be an exploration of simply being present to what's arising without judgment. That's one of the hardest things to do not for followers of access consciousness who are trying to do that, but but for most people, judgment gets in the way, uh, blame gets in the way, um, feeling um, hurt, feeling hurt gets in the way. It's very easy for us to get hurt. Anger arises. You know, all these things arise, um, and they're all part of life. They're all part of being human. They're all part of the exploration of love at the human level rather than the divine level. But ultimately, the book tries to reconcile the divine level with the human level. Mm, nice, yes. And and so, in the book, a lot. Of, what I was noticing is some of the so all the characters for one. It's called Tutti Fruity, and all of the characters are named after um, fruit. <laughs> so, pretty fun, pretty fun. And then you actually get to follow it, and you're like, I didn't even know that was a fruit, which is fun to find out about new fruits of the world while you're reading it. One one of the other parts is, um, just because it's really fun for me, I mentioned this, is there's there can be these really deep emotional parts of the book that where the characters are exploring, um, you know, different emotional things that are arising with this uh, polyamorous relationship, whether it's the uh, and and you as the author have described it as triads and dyads and how to how to kind of the triads and dyads that are going on. So one of the things that I love about it is you've got all these like serious conversations and then you break it up at the bottom with these footnotes that are absolutely hilarious. So you you can you always have it's like this crazy emotional flow. You're like get really into the character and like oh they're so sad. Oh, that stuff's going on for them. Oh, I feel so broken. And at some points, I'm even like, "How can you? How could you do that to that character?" <laughs> like, you know, in, in real life, knowing that there is some aspect that's bio- biographical, that you kind of are going like, "Wow, people people can be cruel to themselves and cruel to others in ways that are kind of subtle. Like we don't always catch it." Because um, we're just having conversation and things come out of our mouth, and we think we're nice for a minute, but we're actually being bitingly cruel. And then you have all this conversation going, and then you have something hilarious, like an explanation of an iPad in the footnotes, which is hilarious. <laughs> like, so this book is actually written as if you were like 40 years in the future finding this, finding this information, this like manuscript, and so you're looking at it. It's it's actually written was originally written in 2017, but it sound until like 40 years later. And then so you're reading this thing that's actually you know produced in the future, but it's now. So you have all these references to things going on now that people wouldn't even actually understand in 40 years, which is that adds a level of humor to it. And I think adding the level of humor to me is something that actually. Like required, and it's something that's actually required when you are choosing something like a. If you are choosing a relationship of any kind, if you don't have the humor, oh my God, that's just it becomes painful. If everything is processing, and emo, emotional drudgery, and let's get into the deep stuff, like and there's no humor, it can become almost painful. So I love that you broke it up with these bits of humor because I think humor is so required in relationships, or you could literally go mental. So. Was that part of the intention of putting the the footnotes in? Because I just love those. Um, well, we'll say a little more after the break. For now, I just want to say that um, humor always comes up for me. I can always see the funny side of everything, and especially when I'm in the kind of punning mode, everything can turn into a pun. Everything becomes a one-liner. Once I get started, it's very hard to tough. And so the books rather like that. The, the door, every single heading for every snatch of dialogue, every little bit of conversation um, is a pun. Every heading is a pun, and duly and painfully, but it seems also humorously explained in footnotes to the editor. 
the book is set up as if it has an editor who discovered it and was required to produce it. It's kind of a, um, a, a, a sender of edited books, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I, I've actually never read a book uh, that was written in that style before, the way he did it, which is great. So, yes, if you guys are looking for something very funny, intriguing, and it's actually probably, quite frankly, going to bring up some emotional stuff for you when you're reading it, because you might, you just might relate to some of the characters. You might have done some of the stuff some of the characters did. And the coolest part about it, well, actually, I'm going to tell you some cool parts about it that I like, but I'm going to wait till after the break for that. So I want to remind you guys that you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. Tonight we're talking tutti fruity sex and literature with my guest, my sweet, sweet guest, Dr. David Lozotsky. So we will be right back after this commercial break. Many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose. What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation by tuning in to the Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Milica Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow your to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melissa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The Bars is an energetic body process that contains 32 different points on your head that when run assist you in releasing decisions about any area of your life that you have made solid and as a result cannot change. The Bars is the first class in Access Consciousness, a dynamic set of tools and information designed to transform any area of your life. When you have a Bars session, the worst that can happen is you feel like you had a fantastic massage. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a bars class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life? This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Melissa Yanich. To participate in the program today, please call in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255. That's T-A-L-K. Or Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now back to the program. Hello, welcome back, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight we are talking about sex and literature with a friend of mine who has written a book called Tutti Fruity. His name is Dr. David. I'm calling him Dr. David tonight because I didn't even know until tonight that he had doctor uh, as any part of his name. So Dr. David Lozotsky. And uh, we are going to be discussing actually some of my favorite parts of the book, some of the favorite aspects of the book, actually. Um, and... I'm sure that I'm somewhere messing up his last because people manage to mess up my name all the time and I need to hear it to say it. But I apologize if I did that again. And so one of the, the things that I, I'm intrigued by by the book is that the the number of references that are both humor, like some of them are actually really humorous and known and note references and some of them are legit footnote and like endnotes and footnote references that you can use to go out and find things like amazing books that he's actually utilized. And it's it's like people have no idea how much advertising has been put into this book. There are, <laughs> I would say, at least 55 references to different books in the world that people could go out and buy. Free advertising they're getting. They have no idea. They should all be paying you for this, David. And And what's really cool is that the references to the books actually give you 
um, as he's having conversations with the teachers, he'll reference the books for you. So like, where did that information come from? So everybody is being acknowledged for everything that contributed in this book. It's like the most acknowledgerizing book I've ever seen in my life. Call it acknowledgerizing. It's a little word that that actually uh, Dane here came up with a few years ago, and I really like the word acknowledgerize. So I'm just going to acknowledgerize that you know how to do that. How to acknowledgerize? Well, it, the, that comes out of my earlier. Oh, sorry, it comes out of my earlier life as a researcher and scholar that I'm very used to uh, footnoting uh, information where, where I got information from, especially quotations. But that's part of academic life is that you do acknowledge your sources. If not, it's the dreaded plagiarism. And nasty things mm-hmm. can happen to you if you plagiarize. You, know, you can lose your position, you can mm-hmm. get thrown out of school, etc. cetera. Um, and so, yeah, once upon a time in my academic life, I, I had to warn incoming students about plagiarism. And uh, they, uh, some of them... Uh, ran away from me after that, and they didn't know I was their best friend, actually. <laughs> so they, they need to be warned about these things in academia. So in in, in real life, I think it's um, a beautiful thing to be able to recognize the, the people that you learn from, the books that you learn from, the quotations. Whenever a quotation comes to mind, where did it come from? You can learn a lot following that procedure in life. I actually do that all the time. If something comes to my mind, like, oh, let me look that up. And usually I learn something new by looking it up that I didn't know just by thinking I knew everything. I knew nothing. And uh, by being a researcher, you can just learn so much all the time. So that's where the footnoting came from. And so, and I and I have been an editor of books and, I, and had to do all this. And so I imagine that somebody was editing this book that I wrote in the future, as you say, actually 30 years future, mm. but somebody was editing it in the future and um, they would have to explain the terms to people in a way maybe not quite to the same extent as if you read the play by Shakespeare now, a lot of the English is outdated and the references go over our heads. And so the dutiful editor comes in and supplies the footnotes so you can understand mm-hmm. what's going on. So it, it was really in that spirit, but also kind of pointing for myself as a scholar and other people who are scholars, um, footnoting every last obvious thing. <laughs> but you, you've taken it as humorous, which I'm very glad to find. Oh, it is, it is hilarious because there are things that are like, you you know, in this day and age are so evident, right? You even footnote what Facebook is at one point, which is like hilarious for us to think about, but... You know, there are things that I would have to footnote for my daughter about the 1970s and 80s that would blow her away, right? So it it actually makes a lot of sense. If if you do want to have something that is a, a book that you're writing for now and the future, your footnotes make absolute sense. And for right now, they're really humorous. And in the future, they're actually going to be really valuable, which makes it even funnier. So, so I like, I like all of that. a self-transforming book, yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of yeah. the things that you are referencing are, are a lot of materials that you've either studied or worked with or um, and like the number of volumes of books that you've read in your life. I'm, I'm kind of like in awe of because reading for me can honestly be one of it, it. I literally have to take time and like schedule time to read which is like I could schedule time to read or I could schedule time to uh, facilitate change in somebody's body. So I I generally in my life in the last few years haven't actually scheduled time to read. And I scheduled time to read your book. So that was like big for me. That was like, wow, wow, I actually took time to read this. I'm actually amazed that I took time to read it. It's real. And even my daughter and my husband were like, you're, you're actually reading. I'm like, yeah, I'm reading <laughs> And my daughter was hilarious because she would look over my shoulder and she's like, why is everybody in the book named after a fruit? She would kind of read passages and she's like, oh, oh, okay. And then she would look away, but her curiosity got her. And yesterday, particularly, she's reading over my shoulder and she's like, who's this mm-hmm. black bay? And like, what are all these? Why does he call that woman peach? And why does he call the other woman melon? And I said, hmm, that's a great question. So... You guys can figure that out, I'm sure. <laughs> it's 
some, yeah, her curiosity of it was very adorable. Just like, what? First, mm-hmm. mummy's reading. If mummy's reading, it's got to be valuable. What is she reading, and what's going on in there? There's something going on in there. So it was that was pretty cute. And there is actually mm-hmm. something cute, going on yes. in there because, yeah, there's some. To me, the topic is such a valuable topic um, because we have we have so much. I mean, like it's garbage. We have so much garbage in the world that is either is either put there to create competition, it's put out there to create hate, it's put out there to create fear, um, lack. Like even even books that talk about motivating you to something are often based on first of all, you have to have a lack to feel like you have a motivation. Like a lot of stuff is is so twisted. This book is just like a lovely story to me about love relationships how to actually connect with people on all levels and and how to have genuine relationships even if they're freaking hard because man these characters were not having the easiest time going through the polyamory like this is not it wasn't like tra la la let's have a threesome and get naked no it was like bringing up stuff which to me is reality if you're going to have if you're going to have more than one lover even if you're going to have one lover there's stuff that comes up that isn't just like tra la la. We're just having this lovely time, and I think the reality of that is uh, is something that you don't see often. So, to me, that's a very valuable contribution, and I want to thank you for like putting something out in the world that is a valuable contribution for people to go. Wait a minute, maybe if I'm considering this, I even though you don't ask people to consider it in the book, it, it brings up that question. If I'm considering this, you know, am I emotionally available, emotionally ready? Am I am I physically available? Like it takes time, it takes emotion, it takes, you know, spiritually. Where are you at? Like there's so many levels that people often don't consider, and they just kind of jump in, and that creates havoc. So the the willingness to like explore that on so many levels is uh, is pretty full, really. So that's. That's what I have to say about that, David. <laughs> so, well, that's beautiful. What, no, I think you know, you, no, you you really understand the book well. But I like what you said. It, it's not just having multiple partners where the emotion comes up with one partner, one relationship. If you're really honest and open with each other and really want to explore love, having relationship deep, deeply, so much emotion comes up for you then. And lots of difficult conversations, people getting up, people getting triggered. How do you work through it when you're being rejected or people are shouting at you or whatever? Um, it's really tough. I think this is, this is one of the greatest challenges of life is to be able to have this kind of deep, intimate relationship, including the physical aspect of it, and keep going through it and not want to run away or get divorced, break up or whatever. Just keeping going through the challenge, through the difficulty, working through it, through outbreak. And then it just gets more and more beautiful. This is my own experience. This is the experience of the characters too, is that it's really worth going through all this heartbreak and turmoil and conflict because you do become closer and closer and the relationship becomes more and more beautiful over time. And the characters learn so much about themselves, like in reality, but so in the book, because you reveal the, truly what's going on with it, everybody in this uh, in this grouping, that they learn so much about themselves, with the jealousies, all these emotions coming up, with it, so much uh, personal change, dynamics of relationships, how they change. It's um it's something to look at, even if you don't, even if you're never considering having um you know, polyamory in your life as as a reality. You know, the reality is is you actually if you have more than one person you love, you're already living a polyamorous life. Doesn't mean that you're having them as a lover. And that's something that you actually do bring up in the book as well, is that it doesn't it's not always that it's a physical contact that creates the polyamory. It's it's the love of the people. You love somebody and you could be emotionally available for them. And that might be all they require. And sometimes it's a touch, you know. And you do actually bring up in your book as well, because you're many references, you bring up the five languages of love, which is an amazing thing to consider too, if if you are choosing that. Like, or if if your main language of love is touch, but your partner's is, you know, something else, then 
you know, it might work uh, for them to be having a polyamorous relationship. It can just get confusing. So you really need to know you, but also know you are actually polyamorous if you love the one person. I love my daughter. I love my husband. I love you, David. I love Keisha. I'm polyamorous. The reality. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's um, it's funny that we always break it down to that it has to be actual context, but it doesn't really at all. It's uh, that kind of invulnerability to have deeper relationships with people. On it doesn't matter what kind. It's with your child or your lover or your friend, but you're having uh, a deeper relationship with somebody and you're touching their heart and they're touching your heart and it's just it's beyond the mundane um you know the mundane conversations of how's the weather out there right talking about what's going on for you in the world and what's coming up and what can you do to change i think it's beautiful and we're going to talk more about um some uh, some of those things too. We're actually going to head to a commercial break. So I just want to remind you that you're listening to the Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we will return and we're going to talk be talking more about sex in literature with my friend David right after this break. Many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose. What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation by tuning in to the Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Milica Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow your to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, please call in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255. That's T-A-L-K. Or Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email at MilicaYelenich.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, sweet pleasure seekers. If you've been listening to the first half of this program, you might have noticed that we're actually talking about sex and literature. That's what we're talking about today. If you're just joining us now, welcome. We're talking about sex and literature today. So this is the first time I've actually talked about um, anything in literature particularly. So it's kind of a fun topic for me being that, uh, for one, anybody who knows me knows that I rarely read. And so when I do read, it's something that has to be valuable uh, and has to actually offer me something that is going to create change for me uh, and that I find as like a, a something as like, a, not a research, but something that I can, refer, like a reference material that I can utilize, uh, sometimes quote from, and uh, utilize with other people to actually assist them in their lives. So if I feel like that's what the kind of book is that I'm picking up is, then I'll read it. And that is what I felt with Tutti Frutti. So I I 
am interviewing the officer tonight. How am I? How's it get any better than that? It's actually a friend of mine, which is even a greater bonus. So his name is Dr. David Lazotsky, and we are talking about the different kind of dynamics um, that are occurring with the characters in his book called Tutti Frutti, A Trio for Two. And and we're actually been we've been discussing a lot of um, character stuff and some of the references to the different healing books that he's he refers to in the in the footnote um, and as well you know one of the things that you referenced a lot David is uh, the writings of Henry Miller who I'd actually never heard about because again I'm not an avid reader but it's I hadn't actually heard about Henry Miller and his lover, and I don't want to bash her name, so I'll let you pronounce it, Anne. I'm thinking it's like Anne, so I don't know if I'm saying mm. that correctly. It's um, French, <laughs> Anaïs. It, it is You're from Canada, okay. so you can say it right. Anaïs Nin. I could try. She has a Spanish Anaïs? last name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, cool. I wasn't sure where that was from. So, so uh, yeah, so I know that they had, their kind of had quite an influence on you and your... Uh, kind of your kind of assisted you with um, some of the ways that you perceive the world, I guess you could say. So um, I don't know if you could give us a little look into how, like maybe the writings of Henry Miller contributed to you in your life and contributed to this book. Um, would you allow me to read something from the book about that? Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. So here we are. I bookmarked this page because I knew you were going to ask me this at one point. Um, Henry Miller was almost the only author I read as an undergraduate. Without being conscious of it at the time, I enjoyed Henry's zest for life, his irreverence, and his intent to live his life freely. The weight was arising, despite the attitude of society. Besides the love of writing and of sex, Anna, Yasmin, and Henry had in common a love writing about their own lives. Anais kept her famous journal or diary from the age of 11 for over 60 years. Yes, she revised it and rewrote it and shaded the truth in it from the beginning, but I appreciated her motivation to explore herself deeply through writing about herself. Henry developed a new, a new genre of self-autobiographical fiction, finding a way to share his experience beyond the confines of the diary format. The two of them wrote explicitly and honestly about their love of sex, about connection through making love, and about the wish to explore a large number of partners. As authors, the two of them ran into censorship, external and internal, for their frankness. It took decades before anything like a complete version of Anais's journals could be published after the main protagonists had died and society's attitude towards literary, quote, pornography, unquote, had changed. Henry's most sexually oriented novels could not be published in English-speaking countries for decades. I remember having to import Black Spring from France, even in the 1960s. Discovering their published correspondence with each other, some of their best writing, me like nothing before in literature, how frequently, how fervently, how authentically, how torrentially they poured out their feelings to one another. Making this discovery at the same time as opening up to Mellon and opening more to Peach intensified my transformation almost to the point of overwhelm, but only almost. Truth, I lapped it all up. So this is a quotation from Blackberry in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes, Does that make that, sense? You know enough about Hen- Henry and Anais now? <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, I did read that, and I really liked it, so that's really funny. Of course, you would pick the same book. <laughs> you would have had a conversation about this. Yeah, so they're, 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 they're books were banned, right? Books were banned, right? Oh, go ahead, yes. I'm sorry, say that again? It, you're writing yes, about Henry Miller. Was, uh, can, can, yes. Sorry, darling, you. you go first. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I, so books that were considered pornographic were banned for a long time in English-speaking countries, maybe other places too. Probably they were. Uh, and pornography, the idea of pornography, I believe is that it's written to arouse people sexually. 
and it was considered a naughty thing to do, a bad thing to do, for various reasons. Some of them were religious, that you could you would write something for the sole reason of trying to sexually arouse people. But people like to be sexually around. They like to read those kinds of things. And so naturally, eventually, it was it was inevitable that writings considered pornographic would become more freely available on the market. I say more. I don't know if they're truly freely available now. But the thing about Henry and Anais was that their writings were full of the love of life, so full of zest, so wonderful to me seeing the, the the more exciting fun side of life including making love they just love to make love with each other and with other people and they just wrote about it in, a, in the same zestful fun kind of way the same way that you would need to if you happen to know I'm sure it's just understanding that, that bodily love and bodily expression are beautiful things and I consider them among the highest human experience. And so they beat me to it. They were writing about these things in the 1930s before I was born. Uh, but I discovered them fairly early in life and felt very um, validated, say, by their writings. It's really amazing that in the 1930s, you've got, and we've had it historically, what's going on in the world. You know, you're looking at depression, you're looking at post-war, pre-war, like it's this mix of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of uh, conflict, just like maybe unspoken conflict that people can feel and it hasn't quite come out yet, but or that they're just recovering from. And it's kind of like a mass world thing. And you've got these two people who who their main focus is love, love of bodies, love of sex, love of touch like they were they were kind of like when you're talking about them to me it's kind of like they've just said yeah yeah that was going on but this was this was our reality they were to me, it's almost like they were so interested in creating their own reality which is really far ahead of their times they were people are really talking about that openly now but then that was pretty far out king you you made a reference to Anais and at one point where she actually didn't even uh, completely freely write all of her stuff so she had unwritten um, information too that wasn't published or was never published even possibly or I think you were saying that it recently got published and anyway so it's um it's really amazing that you got two people who were willing to be something so completely different in a time historically that was so quite you know quite dark so that fascinates me. They're kind of like Absolutely. paradox. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, no, yeah. It's even more amazing to me now. I first read Henry Miller when I was about 19, probably. Um, it was because he was writing sex, and I wanted to read about sex. But um, uh, the sex parts are only a small portion of his books, fortunately free. And so I was exposed to basically his zest for life expressed through literature. And that was a wonderful thing. And actually, this book, my book, too, begins with a couple of quotations from Henry Miller. If we just have time to read them before the break, I'd like to do yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here's one. Strange as it may seem today to say, the aim of life is to live. And live means to be aware, joyously, drunkenly, serenely, divinely aware. In this state of godlike awareness, one sings. In this realm... The world exists as poem. By the force and power of the artist's vision, the static, synthetic whole, which is called the world, is destroyed. The artist gives back to us a vital singing universe, alive in all its parts. So I really like that quotation. Then the, we still have time for the first one? Yeah, we have time. Yes, okay, we go. Breaks. You say whatever I you like. I found, yes. Okay, here's another quotation from him, from one of his books that was banned for time. I found that what I had desired all my life was not to live, if what I was doing is called living, but to express myself. I realized that I had never the least interest in living, but only in this which I am doing now, something which is parallel to life, of it at the same time, 
excuse me, and beyond it. What is true interests me scarcely at all, not even what is real. Only that interests me what I imagine to be that which I have stifled every day in order to live. Wow, we all do that. We all stifle so much of ourselves. <laughs> we all do it. So <laughs> Henry Moore was, was writing this know. stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I actually don't know anybody who isn't got who isn't at some level, whether it's one son of them that they're stifling. I think we all have that experience, and he's writing about that like eighty years ago, almost ninety years ago. It's amazing. Yeah, about 18 years ago, yeah, that human was published experience. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was, this was a book yeah, that was banned. This was a book that could not be published in English-speaking countries. So he published it first in Paris, but in English. And people pulled oh. it across the channel and across the Atlantic. There was, there was a contraband traded in Miller books for a long time before they could legally <laughs> be published. Um, it, took, it took about three decades before they could legally be available in England and America. But uh, people smuggled them a lot. And uh, so he managed to make some kind of living. He eked out a living from smuggled books for a long time. And then eventually in the 60s and 70s when his books could be freely available, he actually had money for the first time in his life and he didn't quite know what to do with it because his whole lifetime was geared to um, couch surfing and and sponging and whatever, living on a, off other people, I guess we would say. But all of a sudden he had money and uh, uh, went to his head and I think he never ce- ceased to be amazed that finally his work could be out in the open because society had changed so much in 30, 40 years. Oh, that's so great that he actually got to enjoy some of the fruits of his labor where a lot of artists, you know, don't. So I think that's just so cool. I didn't know that part of him that he actually got to to make money while he was still alive. Uh, For some reason, my impression was that he had, like, died by then. By the time they actually got published, it was almost like they had to wait for him to die. But that's so amazing that he he got to he got to be magic and receive the magic and receive the money for all the magic he created. So cool. So we're gonna have one uh, last quickie commercial break, and we're gonna wrap this show up about sex and literature with my friend David. And we're gonna head off for just reminding you're listening to the you're listening to the Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this quick show. Many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose. What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation by tuning in to the Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Milica Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow your to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melissa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Melissa Yelenich. To participate in the program today, please call in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255. That's T-A-L-K. Or Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email at MelissaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight our conversation has been about sex in literature. Uh, I've been talking to a friend of mine, Dave Lazotsky, and we have been talking about one of his books. He has many books, but one of them is called Tea Fruity, A Trio for Two. Uh, you can get that on Amazon, any of the Amazons in the world. Um, I personally like to have uh, books in my hand. If I'm going to read a book, I want to touch it. I'm very sexual that way, so you can actually get copies in your hand. Um, you can get them on, on um, like e-reader too, right, David? That's another option, I think. 
or am I not right about that? I'm not sure. I just um, I haven't made the Kindle so. version. Okay. So Sorry, I haven't made the Kindle now. version yet. Maybe one of these days. You 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 can actually buy a PDF version from my website, instantharmony.net. It's possible to buy a, a PDF from that, as people have. Um, but Amazon over the world, including Canadian Amazon, by the way, is well known. Yes. So instantharmony.com. Uh, if you want to find the website to this book, it is you can actually .net. Yeah, you can actually find it. Um, I have the link in Inspired Choices Network, so you can just go to this episode called Tutti Fruity Sex Literature, just search that, and you can actually go into that episode and you'll find the link um, so that you can go into David's and you can purchase it direct if you want a PDF, or you can go onto Amazon and purchase it there. It has a lot of other books as well, um, so you'll find them under his name if you look him up. It's David, and his last name is actually spelt L-A-S. O-E-K-I, so you can look him up, find him, find his books. He actually has a wide arrangement of books. From you, If you do listen to Inspired Choices, you might have listened to um, an episode that he did with Elfie John, Musical Magic, um, about a book that he did about, and that was called, is that a history of uh, flutes? What's the book called that you wrote about flutes, David, that you talked about on Elfie Joe's show? Always written whole books about flutes. That was my big thing as a researcher. So you'll see them all on Amazon if you look up my name. I know you were amazed that people could write. A, someone could write a book about just even some small aspect of the history of flutes, and it's true. I know. Actually, that fascinated me for some. I was like, wow, that's such a bizarre topic. That would actually interest me the history of flutes. I don't know why it would, but I'm not even a musician. But when you sent me um, you sent me a thing to say, hey, I've got this book, I'm like, that's bizarrely intriguing. It just seems so specifically interesting. Um, you know, flutes and sex. And that, that's a whole other topic, I think, David, we could talk about how to use um, different instruments as sexual instruments for play and fun. But I think that's a whole other show, right? Like, Let's we'll talk about that another time. How you well, use to arouse, yeah. kind of like, yeah, the sim- symbolically, but you could use them kind of like, you know, how they uh, they have the snake, the snake charmers. You could, you know, women could play the flute, and it could be like a snake charmer event. I think, I think there's something in that. So I think there's some value. We can to, talk like, about that actually. Yeah, yeah, to... no. <laughs> yeah, we could. Would that be fun? So maybe we'll set up Flute. another conversation that'll Flute. be completely yeah. ludicrous and totally fun <laughs> based on that. So I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you, David, for being on. I'm so grateful for you to join me tonight. And I truly hope and, and pull energy to this book and really hope that everybody that's looking to create a greater sense of love and deeper relationships in their life pick this up. Because guess what? There's actually really amazing uh, healing tools in here, too, that you don't even know. They just catch you by surprise. So until next week, love you all. So grateful for you. Have a great week. Until next week. Thank you for choosing to listen to The Pleasure Zone. Melissa Yelenich will return next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.